Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, January 8th, 2022, from the book of 2 Thessalonians. Happy New Year again, by the way, everybody. And you're kind of firmly invested in the new year. I hope it's going well. And I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if anybody's done this. So I'm going to start with a question. This is a question to answer out loud with your mouth. Okay. So, has anybody ever like started the new year thinking this year is going to be different, <laughs> and then it wasn't? Anybody done that? Yeah. Like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change some things. It's going to be a whole new me. It's going to be a whole new thing. And then like before February 5th ever happens, the wheels have fallen off and it's like, it's like every other whatever that I've ever had. Okay. Uh, and maybe it's not even a year. Has anybody ever like before you went to bed just said, tomorrow's going to be awesome. I've made up my mind. Tomorrow's going to be great. And when you woke up, you're like, I'm ready. I'm pumped. I'm fully ready for this day. You thought it was going to be awesome. And by 1037, you're like, I'm done. I'm out. That's right. 1030. Exactly that time. I mean, like, put me back in my PJs, pull the covers back over my head. All the people need to go away. I'm done. Um, I I imagine you've been there before. And I think the reason is when I, I was I know I have. I think the reason is because we suffer from unmet expectations Right, like we set expectations, especially at the beginning of a day or beginning of a week or beginning of a year, where it's going to be like this and I'm going to be like this. And the problem with expectations is that you are banking a whole lot on stuff you have no control over. No control over. So, you know, you might have some hopes for your job this year. You don't have a lot of control over that. You might have some hopes that, you know, for for all kinds of things can go wrong, like stuff with your job, stuff with your health. You don't know what's going to happen if you're going to get sick. You you might you might just get sidetracked by the weather. And guys, you have no control over that, like whatsoever. Or, you know, the interest rate. I mean, you just can't do anything about these things or, you know, other stuff we wish we had control over. Like, I wish they wouldn't try doing taco day on the Great British Baking Show. That's not what you are. (laughs) Stay within the thing. Pastries, that's y'all's job. Like, there's so much stuff that I get disappointed in that I have absolutely no control over. And I think that's the problem with New Year's resolutions. I talked about this last week. I don't make them. I don't like them. And if you make them, you know, I'm just going to ignore the fact that you do it. Okay? I love you and the Lord, but like, I don't, I don't do that. Um, and I think that's because resolutions, New Year's resolutions, a resolution is all about taking control. I'm going to take control. I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do this thing. And the problem with that is you have very little control over anything. So... For the next few weeks, as we kind of walk through January into February in this new year, 2023, we're going to not look at New Year's resolutions. We're not going to do that. We're going to do something different. In the scriptures, we're going to look at some New Year's benedictions. How about that? Okay, a benediction is a blessing. It's kind of like a prayer. It's like where somebody says, this is what I hope God does for you. A New Year's resolution is, this is what I am going to grasp and change and do. And a benediction says, this is what I hope God does for you. That's a whole different thing, isn't it? 
the, the word benediction, it's just a, like a Latin compound word. It means like the good speech. When somebody says good words over you. There's a lot of benedictions in the scriptures. Moses has a great one, and the author of Hebrews has a great one. Paul has a ton of them. He's always doing this, sometimes at the very end of a letter that he wrote, sometimes right in the middle. He'd just finish a thought, and then he's like, time out, benediction. I'm just going to say some great words over you. Pronounce this blessing. This is what I hope God does for you. Could anybody use some of that? Okay. We're going to look at a few of these, and one of the things that, before we look at it, um, I'm just going to be straight with you, let you in behind the curtain, spoiler alert. I am trying to change the way you think, okay? That's just, I'm just going to lay all the cards on the table. I'm trying to change the way that you think. And I'm trying to change the way that I think. And the reason is, God love us, the way we think stinks. Like, it just stinks. We think really weird things. Like, the way that we think, and this is me, and if it's you, you can kind of mm-hmm and agree with me. The way that I think, and the way that I think a lot of us think is... If I just get the situation right, then I'll have peace. If I can get the right circumstance, if I can get the things to line up, if I can be safe and happy and good, then I will have peace of mind. So what do we do? We plot and we plan and we prepare and we purchase the crap out of a lot of stuff. Why? So that we can get the perfect scenario set up. Because in our thinking, If I get everything laid out right, then I will have peace of mind. Time out. The problem is you don't know what's going to happen. And how often has that worked for you anyway? Have you ever had one of those days where you got it all lined up? Everything was perfect. The perfect plan. The perfect day. You had everything you need for all the stuff. And like 30 minutes into that day, you're like, I hate everything. (laughs) Because you don't know what's going to happen. You have very little control over that stuff, but we think that if I get the situation right and the scenario right, then I will have peace of mind. Here's the thing. The Bible doesn't talk like that at all. The Bible doesn't talk like that at all. God doesn't promise us that at all. It has a whole different philosophy. It's not about whether or not you're going to get the situation right or the scenario perfect or the the great and perfect circumstances. There's a whole different philosophy in the scripture. So I'm going to read this. Uh, Roxanne already read it for us beautifully, but this is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here we go. I'm just going to read the benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Isn't that a great word? It's a great word. Okay, so To simplify the whole thing down, what Paul's saying is, my hope for you is that the one who's already done a lot of cool stuff in your life would continue on and do other cool stuff in your life. that's That's the dirt simple version of that little benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you for every good deed and word. In other words, in this year, you're going to walk into all kinds of things that you've got to do. And you're going to have all kinds of words that you need to say. You've got situations and you've got conversations. You've got scenarios and problems you're going to walk into and you've got relationships that you've got to experience. In every good deed and word, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get ready for it? How are you going to get motivated and strengthened for all that stuff? Here's the thing. You're not 
Like our philosophy tends to be, you know, I've got to make a good life. The way the phrase we say to each other is have a great day. But the whole idea behind this benediction is don't have a great day. Receive one. Receive a great day. There's somebody in your life who is a gift giver and he wants to give you stuff. He wants to give you everything you need for everything that you're going to walk into this year. That's pretty cool, right? Okay, so what I want to look at for a second is what is it that, like, what are some things in this benediction that can get me kind of pumped up for this year? And the way that I want to think about this is I want to think about it, and this is something that I've talked to some friends about. It's something I've been thinking about for a lot for the past few months. I'm pretty sure I stole it from Tom. Most of us stole a lot of stuff from Tom, so that's totally fine. Um, it's all stealable, right? Okay. <laughs> so, whew. Um, so it's this idea that I've been thinking about for a few months, which is the idea of like calibrating your thinking. Like if I don't intentionally set my mind to certain things, then my thoughts will just run away with me. And like we said before, my natural thinking tends to kind of stink. So does yours. I mean, I love you, but it does kind of tend to stink and it kind of tends to go in the wrong direction. I need to calibrate my thinking before I walk into scenarios where I'm going to have to think. Uh, or to make it even more simple, the way I'm thinking about this is like, like when you preheat your oven, you know, like before you cook a cake, or before you bake a cake or before you bake some cookies, you have to preheat the oven. If you just put the batter in there in a cold oven and then turn it on, that's going to be a disaster. I've got, this, um, I've got this Bible study I do with, with a bunch of high school guys. They're all, they're all juniors in high school, and so you have off-campus lunch at Oak Ridge High School, so they come over to my house on Fridays, and I say they're all juniors. Every now and then a sophomore, uh, sophomore makes it in there, and they're not supposed to be there, and I'm like, you're not a junior, and they're like, shh, it's, it's fine. And I'm, I'm, it just occurred to me, like, are there any administrators in here? I think we're just classroom teachers, so I think I'm in good shape. Anyway, every now and then a sophomore slips through the cracks. And, but so I go and get a bunch of food and bring it to the house. And I also bake cookies for them because, you know, nothing brings the guys, you know, to the Bible study like, you know, hot, fresh chocolate chip cookies. So one week the guys were coming over and I got back to the house with the food and I walk into the kitchen. And I realize, oh, no, they're going to be here in 12 minutes. And I didn't even preheat the oven. And I'm like, I am totally hosed because they like those chocolate chip cookies. They count on them, especially one Jarvis Dozier, okay? I'm just telling you, you might not know who Jarvis is. Some of you do. If Jarvis is coming, you have to have a lot of cookies because he's going to put them in his pockets. He's going to like distract people and take theirs off their plates. Like you have to have a lot of cookies if Jarvis is coming over. And so all of a sudden, here I am, the oven's not even preheated. They're going to be here in 12 minutes. Well, it takes a few minutes to even preheat the oven. So when they came in, they were like, yo, where's the cookies? And I was like, so about that, um, they're in the oven. What are they doing in the oven? Well, they're baking. <laughs> Why aren't they ready? About that. And so it was one of those deals that like as they were leaving the Bible study, you know, they finally had come out of the oven. They weren't cooled off. So guys are like grabbing molten hot chocolate chip cookies and rolling back to school, hopefully on time. But you got to preheat your oven if you're going to cook stuff, right? So here's my thought. I think that there are certain settings that we can preheat the oven of our thinking to. Can you all come with me on that? All right. I want to look at some stuff that Paul says. He says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us. Here's the first place I want you to set your oven to. And I'm going to work on it too this week. Tomorrow morning when I wake up. 
before I meet anybody in the world, I need to remember this. This is where I'm preheating my oven to. I have incredibly powerful and personal friends at work in my life. I have, okay, by the way, that deserves an amen. I have incredibly powerful and personal friends who are at work in my life. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and started doing some stuff in our life and has given us some things, the most powerful beings in the universe, Lord Jesus Christ, the word Christ means king, the king of the universe and almighty God are not just out there in the cosmos, you know, spinning the galaxies and and handling, you know, uh, world powers and all of their struggles. No, they're in your life, y'all, in your business, in the stuff that you're going to go through. They are personally involved in that. I'm not facing anything by myself this week. The most powerful hands in the universe are personally and lovingly involved in what I've got going on. That's a great place to set my oven. Preheat there. Okay, here's another setting. He says, who gave us, God our Father gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Eternal encouragement and good hope. I think we can talk about this a lot, but I'm going to make this super duper plain and simple. You have an eternal promise that no one can get rid of. No one can demolish it. Nobody can put a dent in it. You, my friend, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you have an eternal home in the family of God forever. Nobody can do anything about it. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's the really cool thing about this. That means that whatever you face this week, however crappy it is, however frustrating it is, however scary it is, nothing can disrupt your destiny. I've been given eternal encouragement. Nobody can undo it. That's good news. Okay, and I've been given good hope, like a birthday present. It was a gift. He's a gift giver. And one of the gifts that he gives me is good hope. Okay, here's another question. Um, There's a place in Romans chapter 8, before I do that, there's a place in Romans chapter 8 where Paul says, hope that is seen is not hope at all. Nobody hopes in what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, then we are filled with encouragement. Then we we have this hope. Hope is not something that you can look at and say, I have it. If you are looking at it, you're not hoping in it. Hope is all the stuff that you can't see, okay? Now, my question for us is, how many of you, like when there's something in your life that you can't see, you assume it's going to be bad for you? Like, I assume I'm going to be doomed. I assume that, you know, the piano is going to fall on my head like the old Looney Tunes cartoons, like an anvil is coming my way. That's the way I I normally, naturally, I assume that if I can't see it, it's probably going to ruin my week and I'm going to be dead. In some way, that's what's going to happen to me. Anything I can't see is doom. Here's what's really sweet about this scripture. He says that Almighty God, who loved you by his grace, by his charity, has given you good hope. Everything you can't see somehow is good for you. You might not know how yet, because you don't see everything yet. You don't have access to being outside of time. You don't know how he's working everything together. Paul said, we know that God is working all things together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. If it seems really terrible right now, that's because you're not finished yet. And if it seems really scary now, that's because I'm not done yet. I've been given good hope as a present to open. You know what would be the weirdest thing in the world? 
The weirdest thing in the world would be like if you had a kid living in your house and they had birthday presents they didn't open. Like if they had just a big pile of Christmas presents or birthday presents and you're like, you left that present unopened. And it's like, yeah, I'll get to it later. Like you've never seen a kid do that. They sneak, they shake, you know, they guess. They, they, they pester you about it because they want to know what's inside it. And when it's finally time to open it, they're busting that bad boy open. Like no, um, by the way, happy birthday, Wynn. I know that Wynn has not left any of her birthday presents unopened. She's just like looking at me like, yes, exactly. Because you wouldn't do that. Nobody would do that. You have been given gifts. Think of them as birthday presents. Nothing that happens to you today can disturb your eternal destiny. And everything you can't see is somehow working out for your good. You have good hope and you can open it like a birthday present. I have incredibly powerful personal friends who love me at work and involved in my life. Nothing that happens today, today to me can disrupt my eternal destiny and everything I can't see is somehow working together for my good. And that's all really good news because you know what the Bible never promises us? It never promises us that we're not going to suffer. God doesn't tell you that. And anybody that tells you that God tells you you're not going to suffer is lying to you. They're selling you a bill of goods. In fact, the Bible promises suffering to believers. The Bible never promises you that you won't have trouble. In fact, Jesus promised that in this world you would have trouble. He promised it. The Bible pr never promises that you're going to understand everything that you're going through or that you're not going to be confused. It doesn't even promise that it's going to make sense to you. So if I can't, if I can't suffering proof my life and if I can't pain proof my life, if I can't make my life make sense, if I can't secure all that stuff by how I plot and how I plan and how I, and how I prepare and purchase, then I'm going to need something else. And Paul says, here's what you've got. In the midst of all the suffering you will have, and in the midst of all the trouble you will face, and in the midst of all the confusion you are bound to go through in this year, you have Almighty God in your corner. Nothing that happens to you will disrupt your eternal destiny. And everything you can't see is somehow working out for the best for you. I know you don't see it yet. I don't either. And this was a good word for me because um, we had like a terrible week this week. We, had, we did, didn't we? We just had a hard one. We had, we had a confusing week. We had a scary week. And it was terrible. And I knew on Monday that I was going to be talking about this. And all week long, I've been saying to the Lord, really? Really? We're going to do it at this level, at this degree? Are you joking me? Do you have to rub my nose in it? He has this, Tom and I talk about this a lot, but when you're preparing something to share with you guys who we love and we pray about and we care about, he always makes sure that we really believe it. And so it's this adorable joke that he has. So we've had this terrible week. And in the midst of it, there have just been these moments where, I, it's hard to describe, there have just been these moments of sweetness where this has come through. And by the way, they've been few. We've had, we've had a really tough one. There have been a lot of tears, there's been a lot of scary, it's been a lot of weird. But there have been moments where it's like, I am, I'm, somehow he is helping me to set the dial here. Now here's the cool thing. I'm not telling you by the end of this that when you're working your way through this benediction, now you have been given all of these things by God. Therefore, muster up the motivation and muster up the strength to do every, to have every good thing you've got to do and every good word you've got to say be awesome this year. 
That's the best part of this. He says, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself encourage you. May God strengthen you for this. You're not the person that has to sum up the whatever for, all, for any of it. Um, I, there's this thing that happened to me um, several years ago. It was a lot of years ago now. A lot of you know this, and some of you know it, don't know all the details of the story. So I'm going to retell this real quick. About 14 years ago, a gigantic oak tree crushed our house. It had been raining for three days, wind was blowing like crazy, and this old oak tree just came right down on the house, crushed the roof, demolished this little like uh, bonus room that we have in the back where somebody kind of closed in the back porch of our house. It was about nine in the morning, immediately called you know, State Farm, the insurance appraiser came out. He had called the, 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 the tree company that they always use uh, with State Farm or whatever. They both showed up at the house about the same time and the appraiser's looking at it, and the tree guy's looking at it, and one thing that was pretty bad was that, they, you know, we all knew that the forecast said that at midnight, it was gonna start a downpour, just it was gonna start raining like crazy, and I've got a house with a gigantic hole in the top of it. And so I'm just looking at this thing going, great. And the insurance appraiser was like, well, we can pay this tree company to take this tree off your house, and we talked to him, and he's, and he's got all of his crew there, and all their machines and everything, and he says, here's the deal. It's going to take about four or five days to get this tree off your house. And so I was like, okay. And so I said to the insurance, insurance appraiser, I was like, can, we, can you and I come over here and talk? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we step over to the side and I was like, so um, it's going to downpour at midnight tonight. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, do I have to use your guy? And he said, why? You got a tree guy? And I said, I do. <laughs> I do. And he said, all right. If you got a guy and you trust him, I'll hire him. And I was like, fantastic. So some of y'all know where I'm going with this, even if you don't know the story. I called, <laughs> and it's, it's super tender for me. But I called Joe Penley, and uh, in 45 minutes, he came from Knoxville with about four college guys. And they spent the day, and it was one of the coolest days of my life, watching those guys take that tree off our house. They had that entire oak tree off my house, cut up, tarps on the roof in seven and a half hours. It didn't take four and a half days. And I'll tell you what, when you have a disaster and you don't know what you're going to do, the best thing in the world that can possibly happen to you is you find an expert who loves you. And that's what you have, guys. Whatever you're going into, you can't, you can't suffering-proof your life this year. You can't pain-proof it. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that that's what God's promising to do. Because he's not promising to do that. It's going to be confusing. It's not going to make sense. You're going to have sweet times. You're going to have terrible times. And in the midst of that, you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to know what to do. All you have to do is set your dial right here. I have an expert who loves me. And there's nothing like that. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you for everything you have to do this year and everything that you have to say this year. And all you have to do, I think, is set your dial right there. Preheat your oven to that. And then everything that you face, the good stuff and the hard stuff and everything, they just turn into you running to your expert and either saying help or saying thanks. 
And that's a different kind of year. Um, here in a second, we're going to take communion. And I was thinking about the fact that it's, that I do want to change the way I think. And I do want to change the way we think. Because we think that if we set up the perfect scenario, then we're going to have peace of mind. And peace of mind does not come that way. Peace comes through having an expert who loves you and turning to him to show up and asking him to show up and waiting on him to show up. It's a whole different experience. We talk about this guy a lot, but there was a songwriter who's been in heaven for a long time called Rich Mullins. And one time he wrote a song about what we're about to do. He wrote a song about, about taking communion about the people of God taking communion. He was thinking about when, uh, when God's people came out of slavery in Egypt and they, and, and they were eating the, the, the miracle bread that fell from heaven every single day, just little flakes that they would turn into these little, you know, kind of uh, biscuits that they ate every single day for 40 years, miracle bread from heaven. He was thinking about that and he was thinking about communion. All of it kind of got together in his head. And he wrote a song called Peace. And the chorus of that song says... May peace rain down from heaven like little pieces of the sky, little keepers of the promise, falling on the souls that drought has dried. In this blood and in this body, in this bread and in this wine, peace to you, the peace of Christ to you. The one who gave his life for you, the one who has risen from the dead, is the one who he himself is going to walk with you through this year. You're not alone and you don't have to figure it out alone. And he is where peace comes from. When I needed rescue out of deep, deep water.